Well, listen, we are going to finish up a series that we started several weeks ago, and it's important that I say this, that this entire series is really about who God's called us to be. This conversation is in this idea of core values. Everybody say core values. It's the core of who we are, who we believe God's called us to be. And these aren't ideas or these aren't things that we just pulled out of the air. We believe that these core values are things that are reflected in God's Word. And what we've been talking about in order to wrap this conversation around our core values as a church, which means if this is your church, this is how we're called to behave and function and work and navigate this big idea called faith. And so in the core values, we've wrapped it around this conversation called minding your P's and Q's. To mind your P's and Q's, we talked about week one. It's just this idea. It's this old phrase. It's hundreds of years old. There's a debate on where it comes from. But basically, ultimately, to mind your P's and Q's basically just means to mind what matters, to not get so busy in life that you overlook important things, that you miss the details. And sometimes the church, it's easy to show up and sit down and sing and leave and just get in the habit and rhythm of church and really miss the big ideas. So again, our big ideas are in the core values and mind the P's and Q's. We talked about this in week one. We talked about uh, the plan of God, that God has a plan to redeem broken humanity. That if you look around this world and sometimes you look in the mirror, all of us, we recognize and realize that we're broken. We're hurting. We're struggling. Our relationship with God is strained. Our relationship with each other is strained. And God has a plan through his son Jesus to fix what's broken on the inside of all of us that God is in the business of brokenness. And we talked about not just the plan of God, but we talked about the person of God. Who is, who is God? There's so many ways to describe him, so many ways to navigate who this God is that we serve. And he reveals himself to us through scripture. He lets us know who he is, what he's like, that maybe the picture you grew up with God, maybe the picture people gave you, religious people gave you, isn't really the picture of who God is. But one of the things we found out is that God is collaborative, which means that God wants to partner with us in his plan to redeem humanity. That while God can do it on his own, he invites all of us in the journey with him to change this world. Let's go, somebody. That's the high calling we have. And we talked about not just that. We talked about the purpose of God, that God's purpose is not just for us to reach people, one of our core values, but God wants us to grow individually. That God wants you to continue to grow in your faith. God wants you to grow in your relationship with him. And so as a church, we're about reaching people who are far from God. We're a church that's about growing. We want to make sure we're all moving forward in our spiritual journey, that we don't get stagnant and we don't stop, but come on, we keep moving. And we talked last week this idea about the promise of God, that God has promises that when you serve, because that's one of our third core values, reach, connect, or reach, grow, serve, that as we serve, as we sacrifice, as we give, as you give your resources, as you give your time, as you take the talents and the passions that God has put on you and you invest them in the partnership that we have with God, God promises that every sacrifice and everything that you do, God says he's going to reward you one day. Don't give up. Don't get tired in doing the right thing. God says you'll reap a harvest in due time. Come on, how many people know that God's faithful to keep his promises? And so today as we close this series, I want to talk about, hopefully you've caught it if you're new, plan of God, the promise of God, the purpose of God, the promise of God. Today, as we close this series, I want to talk about the people of God, the people of God. Now, here's what I know is true, and I think all of you realize this is true as well, is being in connection and community is one of the most important experiences in the human experience. Right, like having your tribe, having your people, having your, like that is so important to who we are. And it happens from the time you're a little kid 
right? When you, when you, when you have your little, back in the day, some of you like this, some of the, some of the Gen, Gen Z, y'all don't know this, but back in the day, we used to go outside and play. Anybody remember that? <laughs> you actually left your house. But still, your community can be an online community, but your people, it's your tribe, it's who you go out and you play with until the streetlights come on. Like, those were, those were your people, and you, nobody wants to walk in a room in kindergarten and not fit. Everybody wants to have a community. Everybody wants to be connected, and, and those connections and that community, that happens throughout our life. We join sports teams, and, and we're, we're on squads, and we're on travel teams, and we're on tumble teams and cheer teams, and, and we, we're, on, we're in the band, and, like, that's our identity. Those are our people. Right? We, we move through life in fraternities and sororities and social groups and book clubs. It's our family. Sometimes it's our geographical location, like that's your tribe. Right? There's nothing like, I've traveled all over this world. Literally, I've been to about 35 different countries and two shirts, two, two, uh, two groups that I've seen represented in every country I've been to is the Pittsburgh Steelers, which I hate, and Alabama's the Crimson Tide. I'm telling you, y'all are everywhere. But come on, there's nothing like walking through an airport as an Ohio State fan and seeing somebody in a Buckeye shirt and just saying, oh, H. I knew there'd be one here. Thank you, Jesus. And somebody's like, I O. Let's try it one more time. Oh, H. Come on, I gave y'all a roll tide about two months ago. Y'all owe me one. Come on, Lawrenceburg, don't leave me hanging. One more time. Oh, H. Woo, that felt good, didn't it? Come on, are you C? Why? Because there's, in our, in our connections and in our community, like, Again, it's a geographical location. It's your neighborhood. It's your family. It's your people. And as you do life together, you have, you have your own language. You have your own passions. You have your own identity, and it's, it's unique. Sometimes it's our ethnicity. We were, this last, uh, this last week, my wife and I was with, uh, with a group of pastors suffering down in Cancun. It was pretty awful. <laughs> it was 20 degrees. I, I swear it was really cold there. And, uh, but one night we're out to dinner and obviously not everybody at this resort were, were Christians, but there's a big, there's a couple hundred pastors there. And one night we're out to dinner and there is a table behind us of probably like 12 people. And you could tell just by their accent, or I could tell, uh, you know, probably Slavic or Russian, somewhere Eastern Bloc, very strong accents. We're, we're speaking broken English, but most times speaking in their native tongue, but whatever, we're, we're sitting here eating dinner. And at one point it becomes obvious it's somebody's birthday because they start singing, happy birthday to you. And they like all break out like we do. Like, and, and it was cool. Okay, happy, and everybody in the restaurant, woo, happy birthday. Well, here in America, we only do it one time. Like five minutes later, they started singing happy birthday again. <laughs> I, I'm not lying. Like about five minutes. They, and what I found was every time the waiter brought a new round of shots, they sang happy birthday again. The Bible says don't be drunk on wine, which they would say we're not. This is vodka. Anyways, <laughs> then they got up. I'm this, they couldn't even care anybody else was in there. They all stood up and sang it in their mother tongue, happy birthday. Nobody was on key. But they were, why? Because that was, it, it, didn't make, it didn't make sense to me. I don't really like singing happy birthday once. Much less, I, they probably sang it seven times while we were there in about an hour. But again, it's, it's culture, it's connection, it's community. You have weird things you do with your people and your, your family and your group. And there's things that we don't understand. There's things that people of other colors and other ethnicities do that are weird to me. And there's things that probably I do as white people or northern people or southern people or Alabama people that, that, that's weird. And we have political affiliations. And all of these connections and community are essential to who we are. 
But what I want you to know is that when you come to Christ, you become a part of a brand new community called the people of God. Come on, somebody. And I want to talk about this idea because really what it's called in Scripture, this new community that we all become a part of when we step into a relationship with Jesus is called the church. Everybody shout the church. Come on, Lawrence Bergen Scholes. On one, two, three, the church. Say it one more time. One, two, three, the church. We are called and invited into this community of believers called the church. Now, unfortunately, when you talk about the church, the church has traditionally been known as a building. And I want you to know this, if this is a new conversation to you, that the church isn't a building you go to. It's a people that we are. It's not an address. You are the people of God. We come to the building as the people of God, as the church. The Greek word, which I know you don't care, but just so you learn something today, the Greek word in Scripture called the church is called ekklesia. Ekklesia. What it means is, the literal word means the assembly. It's the assembly of God's people. It means the called out ones. We've been called out of darkness, called out of death, called out of deceit. We've been called into life together, called into Jesus together, called into light together, called into faith together. Come on, is anybody thankful that we have a new community and a new connection? And so this thing we're walking in, the ecclesia, when you read it in Scripture and you navigate it, it's this big idea. It's the global church. It's every believer from all times, from all nations and all people and all trungs and all, tri all tribes. And there's also the local church. We are, Faith Church, we're a local church in our community, in our region, in our area. And in, in, in Calvary Church and the Church of Christ and Church of the Highlands and Chapel, those are all local. And we're all, we're all those are local churches, but to, together we're all the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the assembly. But what I want you to hear as we start digging into this is the assembly. The assembly means plurality. That means we together are the church. When you read through scripture, it gives us pictures like this. The church, they worshiped together. They sang together. They learned together. They celebrated communion and baptism together. Everybody say together. They did this thing called life together. They fellowship together. They were under structure and leadership Together, together. The idea is that, again, it's, it's not you and it's not me, it's us. It's not you, it's we. The church is a collective, a plurality. Now, the problem with that is, as I start talking about this new community that we're called to, including you, all of you in Lawrenceburg, all of you in Shoals, every one of you watching online who calls yourself a Christ follower, we are called to this community called the church. Now, again, the challenge is I have found when you start talking about this new community, this new connection, is probably many of us who are watching this or hearing this, like right away we're thinking, I don't have room for another group. Like I got my family group and my kids have three sports groups and I got my other group and I don't have time for another group. Again, you need to know this, that when you are called by faith to be a part of this new group, it supersedes all your old groups. You ain't got to clap. I'm just going to give you scripture. See this? This thing called community, this thing called the church, this idea that some of you might be pushing back saying, I, I can't, I, I'm, either, I'm either too busy for another group or too autonomous for any group. Let's talk about the first one. Some of you are like, I don't have time for another group. Some of your old groups is really what's holding you back in your faith or keeping you from embracing your faith the way God wants it. The church, again, supersedes every other group. Some of our old relationships keep us 
from really walking in this thing called the church. Let me just give you a couple examples that'll hurt your feelings. Uh, let, let's talk about we live in a culture and a society that is pushing identity politics, that you are white, that you are black, that you are Republican, that you are Democrat, that you are your sex, that you are your race, you are your religion. And I want you to know that's not what Scripture teaches at all. Scripture clearly teaches that when you come to Jesus, there is no longer Jew or Gentile. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. The three classifications that our community and our culture currently pushes is defeated in Christ. No longer Jew or Gentile. That's race. There's no longer white or black in the church. There's God's people. There's no longer an economical, socio-economical status, slave or free. Doesn't matter how much money you have or how much money you don't have. We are all one in Jesus. Male or female, it's not about, it's not about who you are and how you define yourself. In Jesus, we are all one. We're one. And let me just go a little further. If I didn't hurt your feelings there, I will here. Uh, you know, somewhere along the road, the church got so involved in politics that we've lost our way. There's nothing wrong with you having a political affiliation or a political identity or a political language. But, the, but your invitation and your participation in this new community called the church supersedes those things. And when your political agenda keeps you out of the church, well, I don't like them because they're Democrat. I don't like them because they're libertarian. I don't like them because they don't look like me. I don't like them because of their skin color. Then you are missing this beautiful call that we have to come and be a part of a new community called the church. Come on. And so let's just not talk about some of us who are too busy. What I'm telling you, some of you might have to displace some time or some passion to another group to be a part of this better group called the church, the ecclesia, the assembly, the called out ones. Some of you, it's your fishing group. You're too busy fishing on Sunday because that's your people. Let me tell you, on Sunday morning, we gather as a church because this is your new people. This is your new tribe. This is your new connection. Come on, I'm just telling you what Jesus teaches. And for some of us who are like, I'm too autonomous for any group. Like, I don't need anybody. I got me. I, I, I don't need anybody having my back. Christianity breaks the spirit of autonomy. While your faith might be personal, your faith is not private. We need accountability. I need people to know I'm struggling. Because if I struggle alone, I will drown alone. But if somebody is in my corner, if somebody knows me, Somebody knows I'm hurting. Somebody knows I'm struggling. Somebody knows somebody's there to celebrate my victories. Like, I want more victories when I'm celebrated, when somebody's there. And I just want you to know something. Being the church, we have unique struggles and unique opportunities in the faith that you don't have in a book club, you don't have in a sorority, you don't have in a, in a sports team, you don't have in your family. We have, as people of faith, people of the church, we have unique challenges, struggles, and opportunities that we can identify in together and encourage each other in together and move forward in together. And God has called us and invited us and expects us to participate together in this beautiful gathering called the church. Come on, everybody. Everybody shout the church. The church. It's not this building. It's this body. And so when you navigate scripture, God gives us, sometimes he will help us understand his nature, his character, by giving us names. Not only does God allow us to know who he is by his names, his, his nature by his names, God helps us know the character of the church by comparisons. I'm going to give you a couple real quick. When you read scripture, God defines who we are together by different uh, comparisons. Let me give you the first one. The Bible calls us the bride of Christ. Everybody shout the bride of Christ. Come on, Lawrenceburg. You are, we are together the bride of Christ. Now, if that makes you feel bad, I want you to know it doesn't matter if you're a female or not. We're all sons of God, 
And you might be a big muscle-bound dude, but we are all together the bride of Christ. It balances out. You say, what does that mean? That means we're corporate in intimacy. And we have, just, we have just lost this because we are so autonomous and we have been pushing so long. Have your personal faith and have your personal quiet time, and you should. But did you know that what God calls us to, God calls us to a level of corporate intimacy that we can only experience together as the body of Christ. There, there is a level of intimacy that you cannot experience alone and solo and flying by yourself. We can only experience it together because we together are the body of Christ. Come on. Not only are we the bride of Christ, but number two, the Bible calls us the family of God. The family of God, which means we're not just corporate in intimacy, we're corporate in identity. Just like any other family, while families are, are, family members are unique, they are united. I don't look like, well, I look, my son looks exactly like me. I was going to say that, and that's not true. But I don't, I'm not like, you know, my, my daughter, Kayla, our personalities are nothing alike. We don't look alike, but we're part of the same family. You mess with her, you mess with me. You mess with the bull and you get the horns. <laughs> but come on, we're, we're, so all of us in this room, what God is saying is it's okay for you to be unique. I hate it when church people start going to church and we all start saying, amen, amen, somebody. Wasn't that football game great? Amen. Stop that. We all have the same language. We all start looking the same. and That's just weird. Be you, boo. But do it in faith and do it in character of a Christ follower. We are a part of the family of God, which means we can be unique in our callings and unique in some of our passions and unique in some of our desires, but we are the family of God. We come underneath the banner of the name of Jesus, and we belong to him. He is our heavenly father, and we are his children. Come on, is anybody thankful to be part of the family of God? The Bible calls us, number three, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're new to church, that one's kind of weird. I'll give it to you. But what it means is, and we talk about this, this amazing thing that all of us, when you come into a relationship with Jesus, God is not just with you. The Bible clearly teaches that the moment you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. You are a walking temple. Back in, in ancient times, people would go to a building to worship God because that's where God, they thought, was. But now we don't have to go to a building because God isn't in the building waiting for you. God is in the building you. He's with you wherever you go. And while that's a beautiful thing that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, Paul says that we, everybody shout we, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which means we are corporate and experience. There are things, come on somebody. I, I don't know if, can, can I just say this? I'm so thankful for online. And if you're a part of our online family, I'm glad at some point you need to find a different level of connection. But when we were out of the building during the COVID thing, we couldn't be here. We were watching the, I would come record the services and I would sit home with my family and we'd watch the services, which I'm just going to tell you is weird watching yourself preach. Because <laughs> if I said amen, it felt kind of egotistical. I'm going to be honest. But there was some good stuff I was saying, so I gave me a couple amens. I said something so good one time, I wrote myself an offering. It was awesome. <laughs> but the worship was just kind of weird. And I'm just going to tell you, I, you know, I have worship music when I'm getting ready sometimes in the morning or in my quiet time, I'll pop. And man, to experience the presence of God just in, in just worship, just personal worship. But I'm just telling you, there is nothing like standing in a room full of believers, people who love Jesus, people who honor his presence and being in corporate worship together. We, not just you, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when you say, I'm too busy for that, and I don't have time for that, and I don't need it, 
you exclude yourself from that corporate experience. You exclude yourself from that corporate identity. You exclude yourself from that corporate intimacy. Number four, the Bible calls us the flock of God. The flock of God. All through Scripture, the Bible paints this picture that God is a shepherd, which means he cares for you. He leads for you. We are corporate in provision. If you ever get this idea that God loves someone else more than you, that's not true. God loves us together equally, and he'll provide for you the same way he'll provide for me because I'm his sheep just like you're his sheep. And we have a good shepherd that leads us and guides us and is with us. Come on, somebody. And the last thing, I'm running out of time. The last thing, this is what I want to spend just a few minutes on, is the Bible calls us the body of Christ. The body. The body. I'm going to read a pretty long section of scripture. I want you to just kind of go along for the ride. I want you just to hear it. I don't have a lot of time to comment on this. I would maybe encourage you, Lawrenceburg and Shoals, to go back and maybe read this again later on your own and get maybe a little more than I'm going to have time to go over this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the apostle Paul is writing this conversation and he's, he's pulling us into this idea that you have a new community. I know you have old connections and I know you have old relationships and I know you have old community, but now we're in Christ together. And now we have this new community called the body of Christ. And he says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 12, he says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by the Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? And if if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, that's all of us individually, God has set the members, each of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would, the, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. Verse 20, read it again, everybody together. Lawrenceburg, Shoals, Florence, come on, every voice. But now indeed there are many members, yet, one more time, yet there are many members, yet, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Now, let me just talk about what he's saying. It's a big conversation, but he's painting this picture that, like, just if you're looking at a body and there's arms and legs and hands and feet and the neck bone's connected to the... I, I, don't, I don't even know what the neck bone's connected. I probably shouldn't have started there. <laughs> what, the, the clavicle bone? I don't know. <laughs> I got some anatomy people, like, shaking their fist at me. He's painting this picture of this body, and he's like... Like, the, the hand is just as important as the shoulder. And if everybody's a shoulder, where's the hand? And what he's saying is you individually, you are, you are you and your passions and your desires and you and who you are, but you are a part of something greater that supersedes your individuality. And while we, we don't need to all be the same because we're uniquely different, uniquely parts of a body, but we are part of one body. We are the body of Christ. Now, I love this conversation because what the Apostle Paul is doing is kind of giving us this this picture that the same time doesn't just describe us, but it really describes God. Let me just take this little rabbit trail just for a second. The Trinity is such a big, ginormous conversation, and 
for, for us in our limited humanity and understanding to grasp the greatness of God in the conversation of the Trinity is pretty hard. But we can look at Scripture, and God gives us kind of three real quick things. I'm just going to drop on you, and I'll come back to the body, and this will help us. These three words, unity, diversity, and equality. Everybody say those. Unity, diversity, and equality. When you talk about the Trinity, number one, there's unity. There's only one God. There's only one God. God is unified in essence and nature and purpose. Unity. God is unified. Not only is there one God, but there are three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Holy Spirit. They are distinctly different persons in the Godhead of the Trinity. So unified, one God. Diversity, three persons. But the equal. Equal. The Father is equal to the Son, and the Son is equal to the Holy Spirit. So three unique persons, equal, but one God. Let me tell you why that's important, because this is exactly what the Bible is describing as us, as the body of Christ, that we are in unity, that when we come into the faith, we have this unity to worship God. We have this unity to reach the world. We have this unity to grow in our faith, and we're cheering each other on and encouraging each other along and holding each other accountable and sometimes having hard conversations when necessary, but we are unified as one body. But there's diversity. There's white people and black people and there's political people. There's, there's Democrats and there's Republicans and there's males and females. And there's all kinds of tongues and tribes and nationalities. But we are one body. So while we are in unity, one body, we are diversified in all kinds of different members. And we are equal. Even though I might be your leader as your pastor, I'm no better than you. I'm as equal part of the body as you. Don't allow anybody ever to look down on you because you don't know enough yet or you've not been in the body long enough yet or you're only a greeter instead of a pastor. We are in this thing together and we are equal as children of God. So what I want you to know is, listen, if you're here and you're trying to figure out like, do I fit and do I matter? I want you to know that you are equal to everybody else in this room. If you're like, hey, I, I, I matter, I'm important. Come on, I just need you to know that, man, there's diversity and not everybody's going to look like you, sound like you, and act like you, but we're in this thing together and we're a part of one body. And while your family's great, I'm glad you got a great family. You got a new family, the family of God. And while you got people that got your back, you're a part of something new called the flock of God. And while you got people that you run with and do your thing with, we're a part of the bride of Christ and we are called the body of Christ. There are all these glorious things that we are busy sacrificing because we're so busy with our old connections and our old communities that we live in a culture that no longer makes this thing called the church the priority that God makes it. And while we easily shuffle it off and we push it to the side, God says you're missing really who you are. And while I was studying and while I was preparing, I, I wrote this. It's, it's a little long, but I want you to hear this. While a hand might be completely human without the body, it is not a complete human. Let me say that again. While a hand might be completely human, if I lost my hand and it was laying on the side of the road and someone found it, they would say, clearly, that's a human hand. They could check the DNA and say, clearly, that's a human hand. But while, that's, while a hand separated from the body is, is completely human, it's not a complete human. Y'all tracking. Next screen. And while you, are, while you can be completely Christian without the body, you are not a complete Christian. While you can love Jesus, have a relationship with the Lord, while you can go to heaven, while you can serve God, while you can be a giver, a tither, a kingdom builder, while you can do so many things and experience so many aspects of your faith without the body, you can be completely 100% Christian. 
you are not a complete Christian because you're missing the community that Jesus died to establish. This beautiful body called the church. Jesus didn't say, I'll build you. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You want to experience a level of protection? Stop running alone. Come to your tribe and be a part of the church. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Come on, somebody. So listen to what Paul says. I'm, I'm running out of time. Ephesians 4, 16. Let me just kind of drive down because this is where it really gets maybe a little more practical, a little more personal. Ephesians 4, 16, the apostle Paul is kind of having this body conversation again. He's trying to get us to understand. Do you know why he keeps having this conversation with church people? Because they don't understand. They think church people means building people or church people means personal faith people. He's like, no, like, we're in this thing together. I know you got other stuff going on, but come on, we are part of the body together. And watch what he says, Ephesians 4, 16. Lawrenceburg, all of us, let's read this together. Every voice. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Let me just say these things real quick. What he's saying, first of all, is if you're outside of the body, if you're too busy for church, if you're not running with the right tribe, number one, you can't do your work. Notice what he said. He says, each part does its own individual work. You say, Pastor, you're telling me I can't do this thing outside of this thing called the church? You can, but at some point, what God's gifted you and called you to do is to be a part of the greater. And if you're not, ultimately, the body of Christ is the platform for your call. So as, as you participate, you can encourage and you can love and you can serve on a level that you can out inside of the world. I'm not saying you can't be a leader in secular employment, but I'm saying if God's given you the gift of leadership, part of the place that should be expressed is in the house of God, with the people of God, which is in the body of Christ. If God's given you the gift of hospitality, I'm just telling you why you should certainly express that in your home and people walk into your place of business, welcome, and everybody should feel so excited to be there. At the end of the day, when people show up in the house of God with the people of God, the flock of God, the body of Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you, there's no place that they should feel more welcome by the gift of hospitality. This is a platform for your gift. Come on, y'all hear me, somebody. You can't do your work that God's given you to do. You can't fulfill your purpose. You will not be able to maximize your calling if you're doing faith alone. I'm just going to tell you, if we are not your people, find your people. Now, I tell pastors all the time, never get up and invite your people to leave because they'll take you up on it. <laughs> Dumbest thing pastor ever say, if you don't like it, leave. People are like, peace out. I'm not telling you to leave, but I'm telling you, if, if you walk in this place and we're not your people, find your people. I care, I care more about you finding your tribe and your local church than you coming to this church. But if this is your people and this is your tribe and this is where you're growing, then get plugged in and locked in and committed to this new community this new connection called the church. Because until you do, you can run kids to every game and every basketball tournament and volleyball tournament and tumbling and you can spend family time on the river and you can, but you cannot experience the fullness of your gifts and your calls and your passions outside of the body of Christ. You can't do your work. Number two, you, we can't grow. I need what you have in order for me to grow. Did you hear what Paul said? Listen to what he says again. He says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. That's yours. 
It helps the other parts grow, which means if you're not with us, I can't experience what you have. I need some of the gifts in your life the same way you need some of the gift in my life. I believe I'm a blessing to this house to lead this place in teaching and preaching in God's word. Can I just get an amen? Not for me, but for us. Thanks. Now, the same way my gift blesses you, your gift blesses me. Our gifts bless each other, which means if you remove yourself from the body, not only do you not have a body to bless, but the body can't be blessed because you're disconnected from us. And when I say disconnected, I don't mean just showing up and sitting down. I mean showing up and serving. And number three, we can't do our work. Because as long as you're disconnected, you can't do you. And as long as you're disconnected, I can't experience from you. And notice what Paul says again. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. It takes all of us to be a part of this new community. To experience this new connection and identity. Well, we can experience a new level of intimacy, a new level of identity, a new level of experience, a new level of provision, and a new level of connection. I, uh, one of the conversations I have with people is sometimes they'll walk in, and especially in a church that's larger like ours, so I don't really feel connected. And I, I know that's true, and we want to try to help you with that. But at the end of the day, you've you got to make an effort to be connected. If you just show up in any environment, sit down, don't talk to anybody, you're not going to get connected. If you show up five minutes late, and it's like when I'm still praying and like you run out of here, Everybody else's eyes are closed, but mine are open. <laughs> I'm watching. Get them, Lord. <laughs> then then you're, you're missing out. But ultimately, a lot of us in this room and a lot of you in Lawrenceburg, a lot of you watching at home online. Now, again, I know some of you are struggling. Some of you are sick. If you are watching online, you, you, we consider you part of our faith church family. But if you can be in the house, if you can find connection, you need to. Not because I said so, because Jesus said that's what we are. And there's something that we can't experience on our own. This is, uh, I was doing some research this week, kind of interesting conversation I had. Someone said, what's that? If you don't know what that is, you've not been to a gym lately called a kettlebell they're torture devices <laughs> so i was doing some research uh there's there's a podcast i listen to called things you should know it's, it's interesting all they do is take random topics and they just kind of ramble on for about an hour all kinds of topics historical backgrounds it's kind of interesting and this one i listened to they did a they did about a 23 minute podcast on rope i didn't know there was that much to say about rope until i listened 23 minutes on rope the rope the best that archaeologists can discover is that the rope was created by Egyptians between four and 6,000 B.C. The thing that I thought was unique about the rope is rope isn't a tool. Rope is a material. It doesn't become a tool until you give it an applied application, and then it takes on a new title. So a rope by a person on the water isn't a rope, it's a line. A rope by a cowboy isn't a rope, it's a lasso. So rope is a material until it's given an application, then it takes on an identity. But the interesting thing about the power of a rope is a rope, as all of you know, I, this was not unique, is made of individual fibers. And what they would do is, is they would try to move objects and lift things. What they found is individual fibers can't do very much. 
I don't know what the Egyptians were doing, maybe back then moving stone to build the pyramids. I don't know. But if you have just one fiber, a fiber is a fiber. It's still important. It's still valuable. It can move something, just not very much. And what I know is, is that a lot of us in this room and a lot of us in Lawrenceburg, we're just one individual fiber. And I'm just telling you, listen, if it hasn't happened yet, I say this, live life long enough and hell's coming. You will wake up one morning and you're just going to struggle. You're going to be in a dark season. Your family's going to go through something. You're going to be in the middle of a tough time. And if you're in it alone, I'm just telling you, I feel bad for you because you're in it alone. But God says, you don't have to go through it alone. He said, he said, when one part suffers, we all suffer, which means when you're in it, I'm in it with you. When I'm in it, you're in it with me. We're in this thing together. I got your back and you got mine. As long as you're in it alone, when the weight of the world is on you, you're going to break. You can't lift the weight of this world and the pain and the struggles of life. You might lift something, but you ain't going to lift much. So what they found is in rope is you take a bunch of individual fibers and you wrap it together. It doesn't add up. It doesn't increase like if a fiber can lift five pounds, two fibers can lift 10 pounds. That's not true. What they found is exponential increase. If you take two fibers, they can't lift 10 pounds. Now they can lift 20 pounds. It's called synergy which means together we can do far more than we can do apart. The Old Testament says it this way. If one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000, which means when I get in a fight and when I got somebody that has my back, when I walk into the church and I'm not alone, when I'm going through it and I'm not alone, when I have somebody I can help and somebody who can help me, we can do more together and we can be apart. It's a glorious thing to be called a part of the church. It's a wonderful thing to be part of the body of Christ. This little rope right here, this is, this is 23 strands. You know why I did 23 strands? Because that's the rough number of our small group. So my small group people right here, I'm their small group. Which means if I'm going alone, one thing, I can lift this up. I was going to bring three of these. I tried it at home, and it starts to break under the weight of about 40 pounds. But this is a whole nylon rope. And at least according to what's written on the package, this is 320 strands, and this can lift 4,000 pounds. So you get to choose today. This is what I'm telling you. You get to choose. Lawrenceburg, you get to choose. Do I just get to be a single nylon and do life together? Because after all, I'm a nylon as much as you're a nylon thread. I'm a fiber as much as you're a fiber. Okay, I got you. Or you can just come join the rope. And you can be a part of the rope. And when you got to lift heavy stuff, you got a whole rope pulling with you. Or we can, we can do more together than we can ever do apart. One of our core values here at Faith Church, we're here to reach people. I want you to know my passion every week that more people's in this room because more people that's here, the more people can hear the gospel and the more people hear the gospel, we're going to crowd heaven. I want us to be a church. I want you to be a part of this church that's committed to reaching people locally and around the world. We're here to grow. Don't get stagnant. Don't give up. Hook into foundations. Get baptized. Join a team. Keep growing and moving forward because God's called us to grow. Find a place where you can serve. Where you can take your gifts and talents and be a part of a team. And find some connection. While so many connections in the world are organic, which means you walk in a room with 20 people, it's easy to find your two or three. It's not so easy to find your people when you walk in a room, multiple services, multiplications, a thousand. So we do our best to program them in something called small groups or connect groups. If you are interested in doing it, joining a group, we want to help you. We pull up that word, please, or text word. I'll make sure I get the right one. You can text lead FC. If you want to lead a group, Text Lead FC. If you're interested in just like, hey, I'll, I'll open up my home. I'll meet people somewhere. I'll lead a group. Text Lead FC to 97,000. In February, we're launching brand new groups. 
we'll give you information when we get there, which means if you want a group, you don't have to lead one. We need leaders. But if you want to just be a part of one, we'll give you that information in a few weeks. But here's what I want to tell you in my close. Is this idea called the church isn't my idea. Jesus died for the church. And I have lived church long enough that I keep seeing these, these corrections we have to make. Again, years ago, we had to make it, faith is personal. Faith is per. Do your personal devotions. Have personal quiet times. Do some personal worship time. And now we've overcorrected. Everybody thinks it's just me, my and I. And we got to come back and say it's us. It's we. You want to live in a world where personal pronouns matter? Let's make it matter in the church. It's me. It's not me. It's we. It's not you. It's us. You can be a fiber or you can be a rope. You can suffer through the weight alone or you can have all kinds of people help you move the mess in your life. We can do a little work individually or we can do a lot of work for the kingdom of God corporately. We get to choose. And I want to choose, encourage you to choose the body of Christ. Father, we come in the name of Jesus, thankful. Lord, I pray that God, people who come to church, people who don't come to church, whoever's hearing this and watching this, I pray we'd be moved by your word to a new level of honor and a new level of commitment to the body of Christ. And I pray, Father, that doesn't mean just showing up and sitting down, but true connection and community to find our people that love us and are for us and we can be for them. So, Lord, I pray as we conclude this series, God, put a passion in us to reach people, to care about everyone around us. God, put a heart in us, a faith in us to grow and keep moving forward. God, I pray in Jesus' name that, Father, we will find our place in the body to serve. And that, Father, as we serve, we're going to find that connection that you invite us to in your body. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen.